Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you, know, do you owe my employer, he asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Happy September. Thank you. Thank you. One person cares about me. So, it's really going to change how this message is going to go for you today then. Uh, just kidding. Um, anyway, uh, my wife and I uh, moved to Marlton about three and a half years ago. We bought a house. We used to live in Pine Hill, moved to Marlton. There's a long story about us moving, and I'll spare you all the details, but uh, our house in Marlton was a, uh, is, was, three and a half years, so was a fixer-upper. Um, it was, huh, it was a fixer-upper. Just to give you an idea, um, like there were things like a hole in the family room floor. Um, uh, there was no running water uh, because somebody took the pipes from underneath the house. So like, it needed a little bit of work. Um, uh, in, the, in the first few months that we moved in, we were spending every ounce of energy and time and, and waking moment uh, where we weren't at work doing things to the house. I say we, and my wife is sitting there saying, I didn't do anything. Um, <laughs> she told me what to do, so she was doing plenty. Uh, supervisor, get paid more, you know. Um, uh, so, so we did a lot to the house. There, there was, there was a lot that needed to be done. And in some rooms, and I know we, we take advantage uh, of the idea of this concept of when you walk into a room, you can hit a light switch and a light would pop on. Um, in some of our rooms, you'd walk in and there were live wires hanging out of the wall where a switch should be and wires hanging out of the ceiling where a light should be. So, you know, doing this gave you a little bit different of a feeling than you would think of uh, turning on a light switch. Um, 
um, uh, like our chimney was hanging off the side of the house. I mean, it was, it was things that just needed to be done. Uh, now, now, I'm a pretty handy guy, and uh, there were a few things we had to hire a contractor for, but a lot of the stuff I was able to do myself. And, and, over, the, and the, over the first several months, we got most of it done, and, and including uh, painting every square inch of the house. It's been three and a half years. I still never want to paint again. Um, you know, we, we did, we accomplished a lot. The one area of the house, uh, that, that we haven't touched yet is the master bathroom. The master bathroom needs some desperate help. Um, and we, we had decided, you know, we're going to wait a while. We're going to live with what it is. So we, we know how we want to redo the master bathroom. And, and, uh, and, and to give you a, an idea, like there are still, uh, markings on the wall of where the previous owner had pictures and must have, I don't know if she was smoking up there or whatnot, but there's like black lines of I'm like, oh, that's an outline of the, she had a picture frame there and there and there. Um, you know, tacks on the wall of what she used to hang things. And, um, you know, so we just kind of left the, the bathroom as is. The shower, uh, is, is pretty beat up. Uh, my wife refuses to use that shower. She uses the really nice hall bathroom. Um, but it, you know that, uh, uh, that spray sealant. You ever see the commercial with the boat and they put the screen door underneath and they spray it and they say, look, it floats because this, you know, it's water. You know, that is pretty much holding my shower together to keep water in and not, uh, you know, um, it's my shower because I'm the only one that dares go in to use it. Um, so it needs a lot of work. And, and this spring, I finally sat down, all that to tell you this. This spring, I finally sat down and uh, in in a, one of those graphing, tablets. I, I sketched out the room and measured things and, and designed. I'm like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to change this around. We'll put like, you know, a little closet here. And, and um, this is how we want all, you know, so laid it all out. And then in a column next to that, I started listing all the items that we needed to buy. And I'm like, huh, huh, huh. you know, it gets to the end. I'm like, wow, we got to save a lot of money to, for me to, for me to, to do this. I'm going to do all the work and it's still going to cost a lot of money, you know? And, and, um, and so as, as we have been, um, kind of sketching that all out, uh, we had said, how are ways, uh, that we can save some money? And, and so, so my wife, uh, in, in her brilliance decided, let me check, uh, Facebook marketplace. And, um, if you've ever been on Facebook, uh, and, and encounter Facebook marketplace, it's a brilliant idea. People sell their crap and other people want to buy their crap. Um, I'm not on Facebook, but uh, if you are, you probably have seen, uh, you know, things like designer handbags for $84 you can buy on there. You know, so my wife uh, saw somebody in um, uh, just on the other side of Mount Laurel, uh, Southampton area. Um, they were selling a, a vanity and it was the perfect size of what we needed uh, because it's a, a big vanity and the vanity we have has some water damage to it and it just, it, it's, it got, it's got some broken things. It just needs to be thrown away, ripped out and thrown away, maybe just burned, you know. Um, so she found a vanity and the vanity was like a third of the cost of what it would be if we went to the store to buy it and, and she said, I like this vanity. Uh, why don't you go pick it up? 
And so I did what any smart husband would do. I said, okay, and I went and picked it up. And um, so, I, so I get to this guy's house, and I back my, uh, uh, my van into the driveway, and I pop the back, and, and we spend some time, and we get the whole thing loaded in there, and I'm able to shut the back of the van, and I'm like, whew, because if that did not shut, it was going to be a very interesting ride home trying to get all this uh, back home. Um, and as I'm shutting the back of the van, uh, the, the gentleman uh, from whom I bought it from notices the Hope Church magnet that are available at the info desk. If you don't have one for your car, please feel free to grab one on your way out. Uh, the Hope Church magnet that, I, that we have on the back of our van. And he said, oh, I've seen that before. Where, uh, where is Hope? And, and so um, in my what I call the gift of gab, uh, I engage this guy in a 40-minute conversation about anything and everything he's willing to talk about, and he apparently has the gift of gab because he engaged me for 40 minutes in whatever uh, we decided to talk about, so much so that my wife texted me, are you okay? Are you, you know. um, so in, in the process of this conversation, you know, we're talking about hope, and, and I find out he's a retired pastor, and I'm like, huh. You know, uh, that's a, you know, small world. And, and, and he works uh, at, a, at a seminary now in, inside uh, the city of Philadelphia. And, uh, and he kind of shared with me after the transaction had been done, he said, oh, one of the things that we, uh, we had decided to do as we're redoing our bathroom is any of the items we are able to sell and get a few dollars for, we're going to give it to, and he talked about this inner city uh, ministry, um, and he said, we're going to give it to that ministry because we want to, we want to impact the lives of, of children and youth in, in the city that, that need it. And, and so he begins talking more and more about, uh, about his vision for that and how he's going to help. And I'm like, man, that is really cool. This guy has, has such an investment in the generation coming up behind him specifically those in the inner city. And I'm like, that's awesome. He's such a future focus. And it got me thinking about the passage that, uh, that Susie uh, read for us uh, so well this morning. Uh, it's kind of the same idea, right? Because Jesus uh, shares with us some parables. If you don't know what a parable is, uh, it's a fancy word that we don't ever use in today's common language unless we're talking about Jesus and the Bible. But it's, it's a fancy word that, it, that it's, a, it's a story that illustrates a moral or spiritual principle. Very simple. You know, we as parents, for those of you that are parents, uh, we give parables all the time to our children, Right? Let me tell you a story so that way you understand why you're being an idiot. You know, we don't actually say that. We want to say that. We don't actually say that to our kids, right? And we can't yell at them all the time. Apparently that's what I'm told. Um, but that's, that's, way, that's ways we teach and, and help uh, drive home points. Just like I just shared with you a story that is going to lead into, so eloquently, this message that, that, uh, that I believe God has for us this morning. And... And so often we think that these parables in Scripture are these cute, happy, lovely ways in which we have a great story that we learn from and we walk away from going, Jesus, that was, that was so beautiful. Well, this morning's story was not that. It was quite the opposite. It was a story about a shrewd manager who immorally did a few things to set up his future. 
He was a middle manager who was essentially fired but given, given some severance time. And, and, and his boss, a, a very wealthy man, said, get your affairs in order because soon you're out on your own. And so the man took which resources and time he had left in that role, made some contacts, uh, and, and made some people very happy with him because he helped them out, essentially screwing over his boss. And so in that story, Jesus shares this story, and at the end you're like, what does that have to do with anything you've ever taught us, Jesus? And so Jesus, summing up the story, says this. He says, here is the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an earthly home. So basically Jesus says, invest your life and your resources into what is eternally valuable and make it count. Make your life count. Invest your life and your resources into what is eternally valuable. You see, Jesus, it was, it was explaining to his followers, he said, life is short. We're all living on borrowed time. And as he began to teach them more and more and more, he was preparing to one day leave them. And in his departure, he says to them, now, your final instruction, your mission, your goal in life is to go and make disciples. So everything that you've learned before, use that and go and make disciples. He didn't have a three-step plan. He didn't have a nine-phase action uh, schedule or addendum. He didn't have a flow chart of how to go and make disciples. He, uh, he tells them, he tells his followers, use your life, use your resources, use everything that you have been uh, given, and, and go and do it. Invest in what is eternally valuable. Make your life count. And that is the message from this parable that that we need to hear and heed this morning. Invest your life and your resources into what is eternally valuable. So for me, one of uh, the resources I have been given, I mentioned I have the gift of gab. Uh, You know, I I, I like people. I like to talk to people. I like to get to know people. I like to hear people's stories. Um, It's it's one of the reasons why I'm comfortable standing in front of a large group of people talking, uh, because you have to listen to me. Um, You know... I, I get 30 minutes, they limit me to 30 minutes, I get 30 minutes of, of uninterrupted uh, talk time, twice. You know, I, 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 like to, I like to talk, I like to get to know people, I like to, to find out other people's stories and, and, and share stories and, 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 and just get to know what makes people tick. And a lot of times people walk away and they're like, I don't like that guy. And that's fine. You don't need to like me. It's okay. Yeah. Or walk away, that guy talks way too much. Eh, I know. Um, but, but relationships is, is one of those things. And for me, um, it, not only do I enjoy getting to know people, I, I like getting to know teenagers. I know that sounds weird. Pe- you know, people look at me and like, you like 
teenagers? I'm like, yeah, I do. Like, they're, you know, they're pretty cool. They're weird. Um, they're sometimes slightly annoying. Um, they're odd, just like me, right? And um, so, so I, I, I enjoy getting to know teenagers because I am a 38-year-old teenager, Right? I, I enjoy the same things they do. I, I laugh at the same things they do. I, 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 you know, so, so for me, having uh, the, the honor and, and the uh, privilege of working in youth ministry for, uh, for 20 years, I, I, I like building relationships with teenagers and getting to know them. And, and in, in the process of all that, of providing ways for teenagers to get to know Jesus and, and have an opportunity to serve him and follow him with their life. Because I recognize that if someone has an opportunity before the age of 18 to have an experience where they can know Jesus it greatly increases their ability to follow Jesus as an adult. And even when students in middle school and high school have just one good positive experience, it can greatly increase their chances of loving Jesus later in life. There was a, there was a girl named Jess. Uh, Jess was a student about three or four years ago that came on a mission trip. Uh, we do mission trips in youth ministry because we know that taking students away for uh, seven, eight, nine days in the middle of the summer without their cell phone um, and, and, and spending time with like-minded individuals, uh, students, and a group of leaders and adults who actually care about them, um, it makes a profound impact on their life. And so in doing so, uh, we, we provide this experience where students will walk away positively looking at and thinking, wow, like I feel like I know God a little bit more. I actually believe in God now. Or, you know, and they may never come on another trip again. And so, so Jess was a prime example of this. Jess uh, went on a mission trip about three or four years ago and just recently was at a home with a, a, a group of people. And in the midst of that group of people was a, a family that attends here currently. And that student, uh, uh, the, they have a, a, a student who's in seventh grade that also attends with them. And she's one of those, uh, sits with mom and dad during service, does nothing else, and up and leaves with uh, mom and dad. And uh, it, it, it it, this family is a family friend of ours, and I have been for two years trying to convince her, ah, you, should, you should come on Sunday nights. It's so much fun. This is what we do. You should come on a retreat. You should come on mission trips. All this kind of stuff. Stone face, not interested, right? Jess, as I mentioned, came on one mission trip four years ago. Is having a conversation with a student says, you go to Hope? Ah, oh, I went on this mission trip one time uh, a few years ago, and she's going on and on and on and talking about how it was so awesome. And she said, you should go. You should totally go next summer. When, you know, and there's this guy named Dave, and, and he runs the trips. I, I can get you connected to him. He was, uh, he was uh, my, my leader on that trip. And, and she's like, yeah, I know Dave. He's been bugging me for two years to go. And she's like, you totally should go. And she's like, maybe I'll go next year. But this experience that this girl Jess had four years ago has profoundly impacted her in a way that years later 
still having little connection to a church has potentially impacted the life of a young girl maybe a year from now. You know, we, we are charged to invest our life and our resources into what is eternally valuable, to make life count, because, let's be honest, life is short. And that's one of the things that, uh, that uh, why we started the campus in Mount Laurel. Right, because we recognize that what we have here in this community in Voorhees is special. That we have an opportunity to show more people in another community what it's like to have a relationship with God. What it's like to be a part of a community of believers like this that support each other, that care about each other, that, that do life together. And so we started another campus. So that way we can go and make more disciples. And a cool story that has happened out of that is uh, about six or seven months ago, uh, uh, my, my wife was at a stop sign and somebody rear-ended her, uh, some damage to the back of the bumper and, and, you know, insurance, great, covered all of it, did all that kind of stuff. You know, millennial and her cell phone ran into her. You know, don't text and drive. Um, uh, so we, uh, um, uh, we took the van in. I dropped it off at, at the shop, and um, they're like, yeah, uh, three or four days to fix it. It's like, you know, a couple scratches on a bumper and a little bit of damage and a, a reflector that needs to be replaced. Three or four days? Like, come on, you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, they said, well, do you need a rental car? I was like, of course I need a rental car. You're taking my car for three or four days. It's a really long six-mile walk from my house to, to where I work. Um, so, like, you know, uh, is there something you can do? And they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Your insurance covers a rental car. Great, uh, you know uh, we we have a relationship with Enterprise. We'll call Enterprise and they'll come pick you up because that's what the commercial says. And sure enough, Enterprise came and picked me up. And the guy uh, from Enterprise uh, uh, you know, picks me up at the at the shop. And this whole process has been great. And so I hop in the car with him, and I'm sitting there in the passenger seat, and he's sitting there in the driver's seat because he picks me up, you know. Uh, and uh, we drive over to uh, the the Enterprise from the mechanic, and it's maybe five minutes in the car. And I do what I do best. Uh, I talked with the guy because we're in the car for five minutes. It's awkward for me to just stare and not talk, you know. And, and he uh, was engaged in the conversation. And at, in the conversation, he says, uh, so where do you work? And I said, I work over at Hope Church. Uh, it's kind of down the street, um, right on the corner of Cooper and Centennial. And he's like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, that's the question that either makes or breaks the conversation. Because... <laughs> I'm about to tell him I'm a pastor, and that's either a, oh, God bless you, and then he moves on and doesn't say another word, or it's a, oh, that's really cool, tell me more about it, or, you know, talks about something different, and, and so he was like, oh, that's really cool, I've been looking for a church. I'm like, oh, that's awesome, well, where do you live? Oh, um, I, I live over in Mount Laurel. I'm like, oh, you know, we just started a campus there. Is that the one where it's, you know, it's a circle with the H and you made it the community center? I was like, yeah, it is. Maybe I'll check that out. That would be awesome. Maybe he checked it out. Maybe in the back of his mind, one day when he finally decides, I'm going to go check out this church, that he'll go there and have an experience that will impact his life in such a way that that five-minute conversation will have been 
well worth that five minutes. Now, I didn't go into the conversation and step into the car with, I have five minutes to share the gospel with this guy. I better make it count. No, I sat in the car and I had a conversation because that's what I do. I talk to people. Because one of the values in my life is to invest in people. Because people are eternally valuable. And Jesus tells us to invest your time and your resources in what is eternally valuable to make it count. Now, what I'm not saying, so we're clear, because when Pastor Jeff comes back uh, from vacation and shares a message with you and, and asks, so what did uh, Pastor Dave uh, preach about when he was up here? I don't want you going and saying like, oh, Dave talked about money and giving to the church. That's not what I'm talking about. I do feel that that's important, and we can talk about that another time. But what I'm talking about is investing in all that you are and all that you have for the things you think are important beyond this life. So for, for my wife and I, one of the things that we find eternally valuable is our children and our family. And so we invest in that. One of the things that is, is vital for investing in our family is we have something called family dinner. I know for, you know, in this day and age, that family dinner is like a What's that? Like you, wait, you sit and have dinner as a family? Yeah, we sit and have dinner as a family. Uh, it, most weeks it's six to seven uh, nights a week. When we get into the school year and I work on Sunday nights uh, here during youth ministry, sixth to twelfth grade, Sunday nights, um, you know, it's, it's mostly six nights a week for the most part, sometimes five if it's a weird week, you know, but, but it's a priority for us. We sit and have dinner around a table with no television, no cell phones together. And we don't make our kids a quick something and then, you know, put them to bed and then sit down and, you know, light the candles and have a fine dining experience. No, no, we as a family sit and have dinner. We talk about our day. We talk about school. You know, how's that person at school that's been driving you crazy? You know, you know, we also say things like, please swallow that bite of chicken. It's been seven minutes it's been in your mouth. Parents, anybody else have trouble with getting dinner to actually go a little bit quicker? Anybody? Am I alone in this? Three people. But dinner is important to us. Another uh, way we uh, invest in our family is we take a family vacation every year. It's non-negotiable. You don't get out of it. None of us want to get out of it. Um, but we all go. We all do it. We do something fun every year. We just got back from family vacation a couple weeks ago. We had a blast. We still talk about it at family dinner, uh, about it, how much fun we had, you know, places we, uh, we ate at and uh, the rides we went on, all, all that kind of stuff. It was fantastic. You know, it, we do it every year because it's important to us. It is important to investing in the family. Another thing that is eternally valuable uh, to, to my wife and I is, is, is this community that is Hope Church. 
You know, and one of the things that, that we uh, have always, it's always been a part of our marriage, it was part of our lives before uh, we got married, is, is investing in the church, the community in which uh, we are a part of. And so we do that uh, by being involved. So we are, we are uh, very much involved here. My, my wife volunteers in the kids' ministry, uh, in that kids' wing, with all those little kids, you know, uh, on, on Sunday mornings. And so if you like little kids, you know, you, you know go help out back there. It's, it's great. You know, people like that. I think you people are weird. Just like people look at me and say, you work with teenagers, you know, yeah. you know, I, I, I know I'm employed here, but the amount of time I put in is way beyond the hours I'm paid for. Why? Because I truly care about this place. That fantasy football league that was announced if you had any idea the amount of hours that I spend at nighttime when everybody else is asleep trying to put that together, you know, it's, it's crazy. Why? Because I know it's an opportunity uh, for men to connect in a community where it's hard for men to connect. You know, my wife and I believe in this place, and so one thing that we have always done, and it's been a non-negotiable to us, is, is tithe to this place. So we, so we give financially every month. Without fail, it's not negotiable. We don't look at our bills and say, oh, can we afford to tithe this week? Can we afford not to tithe? Because we are so blessed of all that God has given us that we are committed to giving a portion of that back to a community in which it, it, it fosters growth in the lives of people that is committed to furthering his kingdom and for his glory and his honor. Because that, to us, is eternally valuable. So that's a great exercise for you. What is it for you that is eternally valuable? What is it for you that is eternally valuable? And how can you invest in those things? That's homework. It's not rhetorical. We're not going to do a Q&A right now, and I'm not going to pull all of you in the room. But I want you to take this home and think about it, to wrestle with it. I really do want you to write that question down, whether it's in your phone or on your bulletin, and talk about it. Yes, you are required to answer those questions this week. No, I will not be collecting it. We're going to do the honor system. Uh, I do not require complete sentences. Uh, I don't care about grammar or spelling. But I do want you to answer that question. What has eternal value for you and how can you invest in it? If you're married, uh, this is a good thing to do with your spouse if you've never talked about the things that are important. You know, for, for us, I said... You know, family is something that is eternally valuable. Uh, you may live by yourself and, and, or your kids are grown and, uh, and it's just you and, you know, whatever. And, and that, that's fine. Family doesn't have to be a value to you if it's not. But what is? You know, if you are, if you are new here and this is the first time you've ever walked into the building, this place probably isn't eternally valuable to you yet. I put the words in there yet because I really hope it will be. 
And if not, I hope you find a church that is. But what are the things that are eternally valuable to you? How can you invest in it? And then the practical action behind that is do it. Do it. Put a plan in place and do it. Don't wait to the end of your life when you're sitting there thinking, ah, really never invested in that thing that I was really thought was important. That's like getting all the way to retirement and be like, woo, oh, I never put any money away. Yeah. Invest in the things you find to have eternal value. Because at the end of the day, life is short. There's a great illustration of, of how short life is. You know, I'm a pretty young guy, and I'm like over here. Some of you are a lot older than me. Life is short. So how can you utilize your life, your resources, all that you are, all that you have for the things that have eternal value and to make it count? Go and do it. I got nothing else to say, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that you do it this week. And I want to add this too. If you're sitting there thinking, uh, talk to somebody. You know, if you're involved in a small group, talk about it in your small group or talk to your small group leader. Talk to somebody on staff here. Talk to a friend, a neighbor, a mentor, a parent, somebody you trust. But make the things that are eternally valuable and eternally important a priority. Amen? Amen? So Jesus, I ask and pray this morning, may you give us the wisdom to know and discern the things that are eternally important and the things that are not. May you give us the courage to use our life and our resources to invest in those things because we know life is short. We know that at the end of the day, the person with the most toys in their life when they die still dies. We know that hearses don't carry U-Hauls behind them. We know that we get to points in late in our life where we wish we would have done. So give us the courage to do. Give us the strength to follow through. And may we live our lives so that way your kingdom, God, may be glorified. We ask this in your name. Amen.